Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I got three shifts a week, less than minimum wage. My friends will say I'm a reprobate. PRS pay me £3.68. 101 part-time jobs. <laughs> 
Hello, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. You like that jingle? Where I speak to bands that I love about their old jobs. I'm on a bit of a summer break at the moment, but this is one episode that was too good to hold. Tony Molina just released an amazing album, In The Fade. Tony Molina's music just has a weightlessness to it, sends me to a better place. So really excited to have him on. As I said, his new record, In The Fade, is out now. Here he is on 101 Part-Time Jobs. Go well. Cheers. How old were you when you started The Ovens? And was it clashing with work? What were you doing at the time? We were 17 when we started it. Um, I think we were junior year of high school. Uh, A year after that is when I got my first job, which was at this movie theater in San Francisco. This place called The Vogue. To this day, that theater is like a huge part of my life. It's pretty much the main job I've ever really had. I don't work there anymore, but I pretty much worked there from like graduating high school to 2019. So like 2003 to 2019, pretty much. Wow. That's a long period of time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the theater was cool because it was, uh, it's this movie theater in San Francisco that our friends who also played in bands worked at. It was the cool place to, uh, to go if you were in a band and stuff. And uh, it was cool because it's like you could work and then you're working with like like-minded people. I met many of my best friends there over the years. And then you can go on tour, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you, if you needed to. And you didn't really have to worry about getting fired. I actually lucked out, I think. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have to get a job at the mall and get treated like shit by a bunch of people and then, you know, have to quit and then fucking go on tour and then come come back and then look for another shitty job. I kind of mm-hmm. always had the theater to 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 uh to come back to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Almost everyone I know who is in like a grounded and like good and you know healthy kind of position being an artist almost all of them have had like sort of friends or mentors or some kind of shamanic figure (laughs) in their life where they can you know get advice from and bounce shit off did working at Vogue and and hanging out with your your new friends there did they kind of offer that sort of role I mean that place kind of shaped my life because I met the guitar player the ovens there my first ever shift was with him he wasn't the original guitar player of the band. We'd had a, a couple guys that came in and it didn't work out. And um, But then when he joined, it was like we became immediate friends on my first day of work, uh, October 2003. I think the movie we were showing was Lost in Translation, the, the movie with uh, Bill oh Murray. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, it, was, it was way back then. And we be- like that first day, we immediately became like really good close friends we liked all the same he's a big he was a huge melvin's fan and i was a huge melvin's fan um and and uh and then shortly after he joined the band and you know to this day he's still in that band i've got i've got a big wide smile on my face because that's that's good that's the good shit finding a good friend in life oh yeah for sure the theater was like that you know like a lot of bands kind of formed there and it just created a place where a lot of the sort of our, our music community in, in the Bay Area, and especially San Francisco, um, you know, there was tons of like, I just actually, it's funny to do this podcast because all this stuff is kind of coming for full circle lately because over the pandemic, I made a compilation mixtape just because I was bored. It was during lockdown, you know, and I made a compilation mixtape of 20 years of, of uh, Vogue bands. Great. Yeah, yeah. And I put out this tape and then we actually had a show at the Vogue. Quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's nice. Yeah, and there's still bands. There's younger bands. Uh, 
working there now too. So it's still that way. And it's still like, it's still like a huge part of my life, really the Vogue, you know? You know, it's, it's funny in England and I'm, I think in Australia and New Zealand, they have these kind of government schemes to, you know, uh, nurture bands and to, you know, so obviously a lot of it is financial, but I think a big part of it is, is a community. And that is just the most punk rock thing is making your own one of those. That's a pretty rare thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our boss, um, this guy, Herb Kaufman, he was older, but he had grown up in like the early 80s and he was he like he used to go see swans and old sonic youth like confusing the sex era sonic youth and i think he saw black flag once and um you know he always he would talk about the 80s and stuff so he was like like-minded even though he was way older and i think i think he felt comfortable hiring like all these you know people that were just in local bands because he related to us and he was he he was a huge part uh, like a of of the whole thing you know he was the guy who was allowing us to go on tour he's like i'll cover your shits while you're gone you know what <laughs> i mean that kind of shit and um so it was cool to uh yeah it's always felt very family oriented there you know yeah at the vote yeah and there's all kinds of bands man like hella hardcore uh there's metal bands like um just all across the board just every every kind of thing we have my friend carson he's a rapper um, there was, you know, it, it was just pretty like, you know, all across the board with kind of any kind of underground guitar music, pretty much there was that at the boat for sure. It's cool that I think growing up playing in bands, you do get a lot of reactions from people that, you know, maybe are slightly condescending towards you, you know, or maybe, yeah. you know, throw away. But the, the reality of it is that if you're in a band, chances are you're quite well organized. You're a self-starter or whatever phrase you could put on your CV, your resume. Well, I mean, the thing about us is that, like, you know, we were raised by the Bay Area underground DIY scene. And so we had really good teachers from when we were kids, you know. And um, I think we're just products of that. We started when we were really young and we kind of were able to navigate how to do bands and put out records and things like that at a really young age because we had the best mentors, you know, older, 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 you know people that I mean, these are people that are like legends in my book you know like someone like jeff robinson from capitalist casualties who ran six weeks records you know he was a huge guy in our life like dan lactose who was in the band spaz we yeah. had all these we had all these mentors when we were when we were kids so it was kind of like we came up good you know what i mean like we were lucky we were super lucky that's great that those older people will will speak to younger people like their own age yeah I mean, that's the thing. And we, we experienced that when we were 16. Like, all of a sudden, we were friends with all the guys from Spaz and Agents of Satan and all these bands that we kind of had just discovered that we, like, couldn't believe. And, and, and it was a huge... Uh, I come from this area called the West Bay. And uh, it had... It's, like, it's not totally known for music and stuff like that. Um, but the bands that came out of it are like legendary and like anyone who knows about it, like knows about it. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, like getting to kind of meet your favorite bands and then become friends when you're still a kid was like super huge, super eye opening. You're like, wow, like this shit is possible to do. You know, I think most musicians start off not knowing how to do anything apart from write songs in their most basic form you know forget about releasing records or recording i mean that stuff that 
that you learn along the way. And in a way, you kind of have to get lucky for the people that you meet and the friends that you make that you either learn from or, or learn with. Yeah, I mean, it was, I still um, look up to my heroes and I'm friends with these people now. We've been friends for like 20 years. I still look up to them as, as my heroes. And I still, if I, if I make a record, I send it to them. And I still have that nervousness I had when I was 16, giving them my first hardcore bands demo. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm, cl- I'm closer to 40 than anything else now, but I still have that little kid nervousness when I talk to my OGs, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. the good stuff. That's the yeah. great stuff. A P45 and a bank condemned The booking agent screening our calls again Still coughing up for those PCNs 101 part-time jobs Being from the West Bay, it was kind of like You're kind of on your own out there The bands from the West Bay tend to not get as much props As a lot of other bands uh, from other areas of the Bay Area have over the years Um the East Bay is like famous, you know, like yeah. East Bay is hugely famous for its punk scene, its hardcore scene and its metal scene. I mean, the East Bay invented thrash in the 80s, you know, thrash metal and, you yeah. know, Lookout Rec, you know, Lookout Records, Gilman, all that stuff, really legendary stuff that kind of changed the world. And so the West Bay was always kind of overlooked. So we knew we were kind of out, out on our own a little bit. I remember in the early Ovens days, it was really tough on us because we were like a straight pop band and we had all these ideas that weren't necessarily being celebrated or talked about at all in the hardcore scene we came came from and so we were actually really shy and nervous about it and we purposely kept ovens like kind of away from the hardcore scene we knew um even though these people were like our friends and like no no like you know we're still kids and but we we were nervous about playing um, pop because yeah. we came from because we were playing in hardcore bands. And but then by the time Oven started really really being a thing, and we had multiple albums that we were recording, eventually like all the old hardcore people that we knew were like, "Dude, this is great!" And they lo- and they loved it, and they welcomed it with open arms. But it, it was like it was years of kind of kind of being scared to be like exposed in that way, like Bo and Tony's dystrophy, like they're playing some Weezer shit now or something, you know, it was like my worst nightmare. It was my worst nightmare to think that someone would be talking about that, you know, like someone I respected that never happened. Like they were always just like, dude, Tony and Bo's new band. They're great. You know, those heads must've kind of enjoyed teenage fan club and pastel stuff and Vaseline's. And oh, so that stuff was like, I got into that stuff in high school, but as far as the, um, with the UK pop stuff, that stuff changed my life as a kid because I always thought that the DIY underground network was like kind of, you know, um, just hardcore and metal and just like brutal shit, you know? And, and it was cool to get into it at that time because here we had like Slumberland Records mm. and it was, it, you know what I mean? And um, Slumberland in a lot of ways is kind of like the, the sort of West Coast Sarah kind of thing you know what i mean the indie pop label from bristol yeah and so i was discovering all the slumberland bands at that age too i was like 17 i i I just like discovered the underground pop community that totally changed my life because i was like cool it it could still be diy it could still be underground but it's like pop it doesn't have to be like super crazy metal and stuff and there was other bands like too there's like the bananas from sacramento they like were really instrumental during that time yeah 
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. With, with all those bands around, you know, people surviving and, and putting music as a priority and, and still having some kind of, you know, structure in their lives. How did you see that stuff? Where were you with that? Were, were, were some bands kind of going for it and living, living kind of on friends' floors and other, other people were, had regular jobs they were able to hold down somehow? Yeah, like, my, like a lot of my best friends, like a lot of the Vogue people, that, like they would just tour constantly and they were super DIY. They were going for it as far as just wanting to tour as much as possible, but I don't think they were really flirting with any type of success. Like, I don't really think they were wanting to go to the next level, get signed to a label and do that whole thing. Like, you know, but some of our friends got some taste of it uh, back in those days. Uh, A Vogue band, which also features, well, it's like, it features the guitar player of the ovens, uh, AK, who I was talking about earlier, his band, the Trainwreck Riders, uh, they were a DIY band who came up with all of us at the same time. And they actually got signed to Alive Records, uh, which was cool. like the Black Keys label or whatever. And so right. they got to do, yeah. And we had a friend's band in the city called Two Gallants and they got kind of famous. And um, so it was like, that was, we saw that stuff kind of happening. We're like, damn, like friends of ours are like getting kind of big or whatever. It was kind of exciting to see because I was, I was totally on the outside of it because we were just so strictly DIY and stuff like that. Yeah. You know? Did that bring any kind of like problems or like conflicts or, you know, that kind of, you know, maybe confusion being DIY, but sort of having, you know, seeing that happen and being like, well, you know, I want to play music. You want to play music. It, it, no, it, it wasn't any confusion. We were like happy for everyone. Um, and I, I mean, these dudes weren't playing like under, they weren't playing grindcore or anything like that. So I didn't really necessarily like, assign them with needing you know what i mean like i didn't have any issue with people uh trying to moving to the next step and like maybe becoming like big or like signed or whatever those things meant um i just thought it was exciting it was like i was happy for my friends you know yeah they were playing super underground grindcore and shit like that it'd be like it wouldn't make any sense for them to like to go to that level Mm. but they were these bands were like really good like pop songwriting bands like they absolutely should have went to whatever next level was available to them. And I knew that then, you know, I didn't have any issue with it. I mean, to me, when I was a kid, I was like, dude, Slumberland is the coolest label in the world. Like, I'll never know any of those people. Like, I'll never be able to put out a record on that label because it's just the coolest thing in the world. And it was definitely like, it was definitely a step above where we were coming from with our little, with our little, you know, basement show DIY shit that we were doing. And, uh, but you know, but, sure enough dude like i've been on some i was on slumberland for hell years <laughs> and did you realize that those people aren't you know no different to you and your friends they're exactly the same they're exactly the same i mean mike shulman who runs slumberland he grew up going to hardcore shows in dc you know what i mean so the sort of nervousness of of coming from hardcore and getting into pop it was just easy because it's just like dude i grew up seeing all those bands you know what i mean like you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. he saw most of them. He never saw Void. He told me he never saw Void, and that's like a big uh, regret he has because it's yeah. like you know everyone 
everyone would have liked to see void you know but um but uh yeah no yeah i mean so it was like but slumberland was great for that because you could still kind of be from your underground roots and stuff but then having a record out with them it's like it uh, you have it has more reach distribution wise and it'll get to other types of people outside of those circles Mm -hmm. but you're not you're not really selling out and you're not really compromising your ethics or anything like that you know what i mean Mm-hmm. I think I, I got really lucky out here, but I think the Bay Area is kind of famous for that and being like a warm, nice place, I think. Right. So I feel like I, and, and me living here my whole life, it's like all I know, you know what I mean? You know, there was there's definitely people here that are like o- older heads that are like OGs that are mean as fuck and bitter and stuff like that. <laughs> That's part of it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's like I respect the OGs so much that I just kind of respect where they're coming from, like either way, like. You know what I mean? Like, and for me, like, I was always so self-conscious about anything I did musically that I always expected the OGs to clown me and fucking say it was garbage or whatever like that. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I never, I never expected anyone to like, like it or like, be like, let me put out your next record or anything. I never mm. thought anything like that would happen. I, I feel that. There's a band that I loved growing up and they just released two records. And, uh, you know, I think they, they, they heard Kid Dynamite, you know, and, and, and they, they've, started this band called the steel and they're just the best thing ever and and they're a bit older and, and i kind of see them every now and once again around town and i don't really know them but you know i've never really spoken to them i kind of like appreciate that kind of distance that you have with your favorite band you know who are from your town yeah yeah for sure um i was always nervous to talk to the bands i looked up to i was always like scared to to meet them and stuff i remember one time well this is crazy in itself my favorite band of all time besides the Beatles probably is the fastbacks from Seattle. Okay. And and my friends that again, DIY people, they're from up in Washington. They're in this band called the Holy ghost revival. And, uh, from Bainbridge, Washington, Bainbridge Island, Washington, they actually lived in London for a while and they got like signed to a label out there. But anyways, um, those guys, they introduced me to Kurt Block from the fastbacks in the ovens days. And we recorded our second record with him. And he's been my friend since we were like, uh, since I was like 20 years old. About that, like, I remember one time I went and saw a Fastbacks reunion show in the city and it was with the Muffs. And I was Sick. with Kurt. I was with Kurt Block and he goes, hey man, you want to meet Kim? And I was too nervous to meet Kim because I'd, I'd, been, a, I'd been obsessed with the Muffs since I was like, four, like my, some of my first shows were the Muffs. Like, yeah. when I was like 14. And um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, dude, I was a Muffs fit. Like, I would go see the Muffs since I was 14 up until she passed away, you know? Damn. It was like a, it was just a big part of my life. And it was, that's a big, like, influence too. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I remember just being too nervous to say hello that night. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, releasing in the fade and, you know, we've just got, just got like a few more minutes before this meeting self, self explodes or whatever. Zoom meetings as they are. But how do you reflect on your life in music and being able to prioritize writing songs and releasing records right now, today? How do you sum it up for yourself? I always set out to be a lifer because all my, all my, um, like all my heroes that I looked up to weren't like super famous people, but they were people that consist, consistently great records for like 20, 30 years. And, li- and we're pretty normal people. Like, like I said, dude, we just always had like mentors and stuff. Yeah. And it, it, it stirred us in the, it stirred us the right way. It stirred us in the right direction. And I think it's like, so now I'm at my 20 year mark with having made these records for 20 years. And I'm like, dude, I, I'm like pretty happy with the way it all came out. 
consistency was important and and like not doing too much and like not burning yourself out and things like that and you know so i think yeah and i, I I'm, I'm like pretty happy with it you know that's a really important point actually that you know i haven't really talked too much about on this ep- on this podcast and i've done like 160 episodes you know no one's really talked too much about burning out yeah well it's it's you know people get you know people get caught up in in their own hype sometimes and then they burn themselves out with touring a bunch oh i lost you again sorry you were just saying about is it always about the next record for you i mean yeah i mean i think that's a good mentality to have if you're always thinking about the next one you, you're not see because it's like i never really wanted to enjoy the fruits of the labor i always just wanted to keep moving right you know right yeah like i always wanted to like it never made sense to me to like tour I, I have done this and it was a, a bad decision that's why i don't tour anymore but like um i never wanted to like tour one record to death i was like nah i'd rather like stay home and make three records you know yeah yeah there's a lot more to enjoy there uh, perhaps or to share and to experience experience together which i guess it sounds like you're sounding like a gig a gig is something to enjoy together but a record when you can enjoy something in your bedroom on a sunday night with your headphones on that's a pretty special moment for for everyone i prefer i prefer doing that over than going to gigs myself you know unless it's like hendrix or something you know what i mean (laughs) yeah 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 well tony thank you so much for being up for doing this thank you for those stories oh for sure i had i had a blast talking to you seriously that that's sick i mean mean, uh, that the, the vogue the vogue tape is that still available yeah yeah but you know what it's weirdly not available online yet um but i think we're gonna figure out a way to get some copies out there into the into the internet uh kind of universe of so people can order it and get it shipped um and i'll, I'll definitely keep you posted on all that tony thank you so much have a great day of course man. you too Bye. see you then so there was tony molina on 101 part-time jobs back properly in october i think there might be a couple of episodes before then cheers for listening here's cox Barra. I've been working all day for me mate on the side Running around like a blue-ass fly I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me mate Every bleeding me, I've been on the go Up and down the ladder like a fiddler's elbow I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me mate This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.